Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Angela Lisi. Angela is the drummer for the Nashville-based band The Dead Deads. Since the band formed in late 2013, The Dead Deads have been experiencing steady growth and notoriety in the heavy rock scene. Angela's relationship with drums is a unique story, although she's had a lifelong love of music and drumming. It wasn't until after she got a degree and had a brief career in meteorology that Angela has refocused her life on the band and drumming itself. As always, you can go to workingdrummer.net to find out more about this episode and all the episodes we've done. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, leaving a rating and review is great and helps us grow. So here is my conversation with Angela Lisi. Tell me what's been what's going on with the band right now. And just for the record, you brought me these awesome glasses. I did. I'm going to try these on here. <laughs> you can't see them, but we're going to put them on the rewards page. Nice. That's Dead funny. Dates. Yeah. So you can't really... I wouldn't operate I, a vehicle with I, them because <laughs> the little dots in them, like if you move your head too fast, like you're going to get drunk <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> That's good. This will, this will save me some money on all the money I spend go, on yeah. alcohol. Exactly. Thank you. And a two song EP. That's our, our seven inch uh, vinyl. Um, nice. And it's just entitled for Brooke and it's got a couple songs off our first album rainbow awesome. on there. So, Cool. So uh, tell me what's going on with the band right now, what you guys are into. And you just did a hometown tour of where you are from. Right. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we've been together three years, so we Mm kind of celebrated our three year anniversary with just a hometown tour. Okay. And and that was pretty fun. Um, Going to like these smaller clubs in each of our hometowns, Um, you know, Nashville, our, our hometown uh, small clubs, Lipstick Lounge. We love playing right, there. Right, right. Um, and actually, our very first album, Rainbow, we um, released it there. Kind of, we had our uh, record release show at Lipstick Lounge, and that was pretty cool. Um, and then I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, so we played at the Brass Rail, this small, like really cool um, kind of punk club up there. Cool. Louisville, we played Mag Bar, which I lived in Louisville seven years before I moved here. Is it where you went to school? No, uh, I went to Purdue. I'm okay. from um, Indiana, and just I went to Purdue, and then I followed my career around, and I ended up in Louisville in okay. 2005. Um, yeah, and um, that's where I met Betty Dead actually, <laughs> and brought her to Nashville. But that's her hometown, and then we played um, Chattanooga, which is uh, Meta Dead's hometown which i'll use their stage names probably okay cool i don't know if they i don't know if they care or not but um so yeah we just wrapped up the hometown tour and we're actually writing a lot right now we're working on writing either for a ep or a new album um just to pitch the labels we have some label interest and um, so tell yeah. me again, how many full records do you guys have out? We have two. We have Rainbow, and uh, which we did in 2014. Okay. Um, and and then we have another one called Four Year Obliteration, which we put out in August. And okay. uh, Paige Hamilton from Helmet produced that. Yeah, yeah. So that one's that's our favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about that experience uh, recording with Paige. Oh, man. Uh, he he's funny he's a name dropper and he's really funny so it was just kind of like hanging out with like your older brother um i mean he's hilarious nasty really funny um but just a genius when it comes to music so it was i i mean we learned a lot it was like um band camp pretty much for us we learned a lot um it was it was weird because he already he liked our songs, so yeah. he didn't really do too much to them mm-hmm. um, as far as like upgrading them or changing them or whatever. But he, you know, would teach us like you know how to strum better, how to play better, how to mm-hmm. you know you know sing this here, maybe you know not sing so many difficult lyrics for people to figure out because mm-hmm. <laughs> people aren't quite 
there yet. They're not ready for Meta's lyrics. <laughs> uh, you know, just we learned a lot along the way, I think. And that was really cool. So we recorded half the album last spring in L.A. at NRG, oh, wow. which was really cool because yeah. we got to our engineer was Toshi uh, Kasai. Yeah. That's, so that okay. was cool to okay. just meet him and, and hang out. And we recorded five songs out there. Um, had a pre-pro day, recorded the next, and then recorded the rest of the time at the Melvin's studio, which was wow. really an experience. You know, yeah. It was just cool. <laughs> was there anything that Paige was giving you advice or instructions on that maybe resonated with you that you kind of now was a part of um, of just a, a lot of advice. Just, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of nice, like business advice. I really took that to heart. Like oh, wow. just, um, you know, he gave us a lot of fatherly advice, like, well, you're, you're a bunch of women, so you better be damn good at your instruments. And mm. I, I think that was just kind of eye opening because no one ever really tells you what you need to hear. Um, mm. you know, what I, do you mean? I, what do you mean? Like, I think like, you know, being in a, being in a all female band, you know, we already have that. We already get judged whether we're going to suck or, um, you know, we might get free stuff here and there. We might get an easy pass because we're girls. I, I, I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, like you just better know your shit or mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter if you're male yeah. or female. So I kind of liked hearing that yeah. from him um, because he's not misogynist at all. He's yeah. just very cool and very business oriented and just like doesn't want to you know he doesn't blow smoke up your ass so that's kind of nice (laughs) do you think that maybe there's there's like you in situations maybe you get something for you get a free pass only so many times and then at some point somebody's gonna be like okay now you're established you're in this you're on the tour you have your records let's see right yeah maybe the kind of impression yeah i think so and you know i being a DIY band, we pretty, I I think we, we hold it down really well. I think we do our thing. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Just, you know, I I don't know why I wouldn't have thought that, you know, that was, I I guess I just thought that was mind blowing for some reason when I look back on it now, it's not that big of a deal, but it was just like, yeah, we, we need to hone our craft. That's the most important thing. Um, and you know, cause I, I love our music. I think we write really good stuff and, we write it pretty much ourselves, so that's nice. Um, I was going to ask you about that, kind of the writing process. Yeah, we uh, we just get in a room and no idea is bad until it sounds bad. <laughs> until we play it and it's bad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know. there's the joke about the drummer said, hey guys, I wrote a song. Oh, <laughs> right. that's sweet. We'll put it on the fridge. Right, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and, and that's funny because I actually like to take a back seat. I like to really write to what the song's doing. Um mm-hmm. And I'm a drummer who drums to the singer. I like to follow, mm. um, I kind of like to follow the structure of the song based on what the singer's doing. So yeah. I really like part of the song to be together before I add my take, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Uh, so we get in a room, and if I just, you know, binged on some band and some beats in my head, then I'll come with that beat. And then Meta's really good at instantly formulating lyrics. It's just, it's impressive. Um, so she'll just come up with stuff on the spot or mm-hmm. some kind of like, um, maybe some riff or, um, you know, Betty's a lead guitarist. She might come up with a riff off of that. Um, you know, Daisy, the bass player, she might come with a, a bass riff in mind. And so we just play off of whatever someone brings to the table and mm-hmm. go from there. And, if it's working, we can write a song in a couple hours, and it's pretty nice. So that's that's awesome. We just get in a room and write together. So tell me about the names. You have yeah, all the stage names in English. Yeah, that's sort of that stemmed from um, our very first show. We were actually in a Dead Milk Dead Milkman tribute band, and yeah. it was funny. I met um, I met Meta through a friend, and she was an established songwriter, Letitia Wolf, in town already, and. Uh, and I told her I was a drummer. Like I met her, I think in 2012, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, well, I drum, but you know, I'm not very good. Which I'm um, being humble. So she was like, well, you told me you weren't good, so I don't want to play with you if you're not good. Uh, I was like, I was being humble. Like let's do something. So yeah. <laughs> we ended up jamming one day with um, Daisy, which is her uh, best friend from college. Okay. 
So those two already knew each other and been in bands together. So we jammed one day, wrote a couple songs. We're like, yeah, we should do this. This is fun. And um, at the time, uh, Tish had invited her sister into the band, um, which was Hella Dead. And she played keys. So uh, Meta was like, well, we should just... uh, (laughs) We should probably get a show so we have something to work towards. Right, right. So she signed us up for, um, it was exited in 2013, like a Halloween show. And it was just a tribute night. And so she picked the Dead Milkman. We're like, okay, let's do that. (laughs) And like a month later, we have a show and um, to pretend like we're dead. And I think one of the Dead Milkman albums has X's over like, one like a cow's face or something okay so like old school cartoons they put x's over their eyes when they die so we wore black eyeliner x's over our eyes that night and we wanted to keep doing that yeah because it was it was cool and it was fun you don't have to do your makeup so it's nice (laughs) (laughs) so that stuck and we're like well we should probably think of a name based off of that Mm -hmm. there's the dead somethings the something deads out there everywhere Mm -hmm. so I think it was Meadow came up with the Dead Deads. And we were just kind of, we kind of chose that as a joke, thinking like, well, that's kind of a silly name, but we're just going to play together around town. This should be fun. So that name stuck. And uh, I think it might have been Daisy who came up with the idea of stage names too, because she wasn't at her, at the time, she was working for. I think it was like a doll clothing factory. She was an IT person, <laughs> really <Doll>. smart. <laughs> and uh, she, I mean, first we all world, had... First world jobs. Right, yeah. We all had first world jobs then. <laughs> made great money, and that has changed. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so she came up with the idea, well, we could market ourselves like, you know, have, um, have stage names and personas. That way we can make dolls for ourselves eventually, like... They're, the marketing b- between Daisy and, and Meta is really genius. They're very, I'm business savvy, but on the money side, not so much the creative side. Gotcha. <laughs> and it, and that was pretty cool. So we kind of named ourselves after that. Just thought yeah. of thought of names. And mine's Billy Dead because I make the Billy Idol face when I play drums sometimes. So like his little sneer. So that stuck. And uh. Daisy, she's kind of a flower child, (laughs) (laughs) loves everything, loves nature and stuff. So that fit. Um, That would be my stage name then, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can see that. (laughs) And um, Erica, uh, she's a guitarist and my my best friend. Um, She, I think... Tish came up with Betty Dead for her because she's a Betty. She's got tattoos. She looks like a pinup girl, that kind of thing. and then Meta, her first name was Doomy Dead because she likes doom metal. But when you tell somebody, "Oh, what's your dead name?" Doomy, like that, you know, it was <laughs> no, misinterpreted, no, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> um, so she changed her name to Meta because she's into like the metaphysical stuff and um, and kind of she's out there. And then um, you know, uh, Hella's not in the band anymore, but she was just on fire, basically on stage and really you know, just kind of like she would go over the top on everything and just really fun to be around. So she was named Hella dead because of that. So, okay. Okay. That was pretty cool. What's the style that when someone asks what, what kind of music do the dead deads? It's (laughs) what's the style you put yourself under the genre. Yeah. That's probably the question we struggle with the most because Mm -hmm. it, I mean, we, um, we have so many different influences. I would put us in like the alternative grunge, Mm-hmm. Um, scene, I guess, but we have some metal songs. We have pop songs. Um, I just call it, I, I tell my friends space rock because it sounds a little spacey. Um, <laughs> and it's just rock and roll. So yeah. that's kind of, that's what I call it. But, uh, we were, we were discussing that the other day and I think what we most sound like uh, meta and I were discussing that and we sound like, um, I think it was freak show, the album from silver chair. If you listen to that, uh, we sound a lot like Silverchair, okay. that album. So I, that's about the only band that we're kind of similar to, I think, as yeah. far as writing and 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 sound and maybe just the weird songs. <laughs> so like, we're kind of weird, too. We're going to put this music together. We're going to go out and perform. And then 
then we're going to take a look back. What do we sound like? As opposed to, here's the genre, here's what we're going to do, we're going to do that. But. Right. I think now, now that we have like, a, you know, a little bit of label talk and stuff, I think now we're, we've decided, well, we need to pick a route to go. So I think we're going, going like the alternative route. We Is don't that want, okay? I mean, you guys cool with that? I think, think so, that- because I, I think that'll give us more, I think it'll give us more leverage in our songwriting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and nothing against active rock because I listen to it. But if you listen to active rock, it seems like a lot of it's very similar. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of different sounds, I don't think, different structure. And we don't want to go active rock realm I've never because heard of that. that. Active rock. Active rock, yeah. So octane, basically, if you listen okay. to serious octane, it's, um, you know, anything on that is considered active rock, I guess, okay, which okay. I, I mean, I love some of it. I grew up in the nineties. I love yeah. rock. I love alternative. That's my thing. <laughs> but, uh, we didn't want to be kind of typecast into what's expected. Sure, and we, sure. we want to have a lot of control over our writing. Right. Right. But I also think that it's important. There's been producers I've worked with who's, who they, they work with a songwriter and the songwriter's like, well, I have this, uh, I have this rock song, I have this country song, I have this jazz song. I want to show people the diversity of what I do. Mm-hmm. But what happens is the record is all over the map. And say someone right. wants to dig into something that you do, but then it, it, it just it doesn't work as well as like... And then he, he would encourage them to say, look, make a jazz record. Mm-hmm. Make a country record. Do that. And, and, I, and maybe it's, that's more of an old school thought because... When uh, when I grew up, you, you had a whole record, you had a whole CD, you had a whole tape, and you were listening to that, and it had a vibe, it had a sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was the same artist, they would have different eras in which they would. So I think that sometimes um, when you have a sound and a style that you work, a parameter, mm-hmm. certain parameters... It gives people something to latch onto, and it gives you some direction. Yeah, I, and I think that I think that is still the case because our first album was we <laughs> we had about you know maybe a month to write it and lay it down because we found out we were going on a national tour with Hailstorm. Wow! And we didn't have an album yeah. or anything to yeah. sell really, so we're like, all right, we need to do this. So it was just get in a room what do we want to write today let's write a nine inch nails type of sound or song and so that album is all over the map um which is kind of cool it's you know it's just interesting to see where we came from and then this last album for your obliteration that one's more streamlined that's more um i'd call that alternative rock um for the most part and then of course, from here on out, you know, we've had the talk with our manager. Now we really need to hone in on like what route we're taking. We can take two routes pretty much being a rock band. Yeah. And so we're going like the alternative route is what we decided. So our next album, which we're hoping to release this year, um, would be alternative. And you guys are writing for it now, but, mm-hmm. you, but you haven't tracked anything yet. Well, we, we wrote, um, we actually wrote three songs and recorded those back in um, maybe last fall, maybe December. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it was either like December or January when we, when we laid those tracks down and we have three new songs. Um, and we re- recorded them with Matt Mahaffey of self. Okay. So, and he's a, a just a genius producer mm. and knows how to produce for radio. So that's kind of the goal there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it hopefully I, those are songs we're kind of showing to labels right now, but those are songs we'll also put on the new record whenever that gets done. When you guys uh, wanted to do, when you guys were picked up to do the national tour mm-hmm. and you guys weren't together for very long, <laughs> what else were you doing? Did you have to like drop what you were doing for work and, or take time off or how did you balance that stuff out? Yeah, we had really, really nice managers <laughs> for our jobs that let us, that let us do it. Um, okay. they were really understanding. I, I was a meteorologist for the weather service and had been for 15 years as of last year. So I just went to my boss and like, I can cover the first couple of weeks of the tour, but I, I don't have enough vacation time for the third. Yeah. So I just took leave without pay, which is yeah. something he has to approve and was like, yeah, go do it. That's cool. Nice. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing kind of happened to everybody else too. Yeah. Uh, their managers let them leave. Um, I think Daisy had to work a little bit from the road. 
Um, so she was, and it was, it was weird the way it happened. Um, we knew a guy where we could rent a bus from, we knew a driver that would drive for free. Wow. Uh, so we had a bus and everything for our very first tour and, Every morning, Daisy would be in the lounge area, like on a conference call, taking notes and stuff. And I didn't know how to sleep on a bus. So I was just like (laughs) always up. Just I didn't know how I couldn't do it. I couldn't sleep because I was scared we were going to (laughs) die. I've I've learned a little bit. Yeah, it takes a little bit of adjustment. Yeah. So we just kind of threw everything together. Um, That's what's nice about being in a band is with older women, too. Like we're, you know, I'm 30. Seven thirty-seven, <laughs> and get to the point where you forget. Right? Yeah, we're we're in our thirties, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we've had jobs. We've been managers in our in our jobs for years, and we just know how to get shit done when it needs to get done. And so that was really. It sounds like a feat to put out a record, get a bus, like plan yeah, out yeah. all the money and everything ahead of time. But we did it, and we broke even which is pretty good on a first tour, like right, really right. not, you know, nobody knew who we were anyways. Lizzie right. and Joe from Hailstorm did us a favor okay. by taking us out because they were friends, close friends with Tish at the time. So I think that's, those are things that people don't know about. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, this is glorious or you're out doing your thing. And a lot of people <laughs> lose money. I've worked, oh, I, yeah. I, I worked with an artist. I didn't realize till afterwards, but it was a six week tour. And she's like, I had to borrow money from my husband to pay for this and to pay for that. And these were beautiful theaters packed mm-hmm. and you're just like, what? It's that's, in, that's a thing? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I've always had dreams since I was a kid of just being in music, not necessarily drumming, but I've just mm-hmm. had dreams of being in like a big stadium. Like I just, mm-hmm. it was just going to be part of my life, I thought. And it's funny, like you have the, the dream of that, but you never... I've never had the dream of like, oh, I'm going to be rich. It was like, oh, I can't wait to just play shows in front of people. This right. is going to be awesome. Right. And it's probably good that I didn't have that dream because yeah. it is a reality. Like you just, you, if you're not hustling, you're yeah. not making anything. Yeah. And the one thing we do is we hustle really well. Yeah. We we meet uh, with the crowd before the show, oh. play the show, and we hang out at merch all night, no matter what, until wow. the last person leaves. So. Okay. We work very hard and you have to work really hard um, to make any kind of money. And we have lovely fans. I mean, they take care of us, too. So we have them to to thank to even getting us to this level. Yeah. Is there anything special that you guys have done to kind of cultivate that following besides aside from performing, aside from the music that you're doing? Um, I think not only do you have to play well and you know, put on a good show and be good at it. You have to do the social media and you have to do, uh, you have to be nice. Mm. Um, (laughs) if we've played with a lot of bands and they've all been really nice. Um, so they've got that going for them. But if you're not out meeting people, talking Mm -hmm. to people, Mm -hmm. thanking them for being there, like personally, that goes a long way. And we've, Oh, I mean, we played just our hometown tour. We did a few weeks ago. We had people drive from South Carolina, from wow. Wisconsin, from Oklahoma to come see us. Yeah. And it's it's probably because like we treat our fans really well. Mm-hmm. Um and we try to, you know, and mm-hmm. and they treat us extraordinarily. So I think that's one thing a lot of people might get jaded about if you're not out there thanking people. They're not going to be there. <laughs> Yeah. They're not going to be there for you. And they, they're, they're investing in you and mm-hmm. you invest in them. They feel that connection. Right. Yeah. They're kind of our, our biggest cheerleaders and a lot of them become friends too. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, you know, we, I think like if I had any advice, people have got to get on social media, yeah. you got to take an interest in it. And it's, t- I mean, it takes time. Like, right. you know, maybe if we don't have a show for a few weeks, we're still working you know, 30 hours a week and half that social media. I mean, I'm on my phone or computer a long time every day. <laughs> wow. And you have to be, I think, to to make an impact because people yeah. are like, oh, Billy did like my post. That's weird. Oh, mm-hmm. that's funny. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll go like her stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. she's got a YouTube page. I'll check that out. Like, just, yeah, you have no yeah. idea what that can do. Yeah. And 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 with us, though, it, it is genuine because we're just, we're so thankful to be where we're at, like pushing 40, being able to like live a dream. We can always do the other shit. 
another day. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, we're, I think we're kind of writing the book on how to do it when you're older and business savvy. <laughs> well, it, not only that, but I mean, in, in the, in a day of social media and a day of the music business has changed so much, right. I mean, even in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always changing in the way people tour. Although talking about, you know, getting a bus and finding someone that will drive for free and breaking even, I mean, that's been happening for over a hundred years. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, we, yeah, that was funny. Cause that we thought that was just, Oh, this is a one-time deal. This is going to be awesome. We're going to go on a tour and never again. That's great. Um, you know, and after that, we realized, okay, that's a lot of money. So if we ride that momentum and, you know, keep getting on tours, well, we ended up buying a van mm. and buying a trailer. So yeah. that's, you know, you have to book enough shows and sell enough merch to yeah. pay for the van rental and oh, then yeah. to pay for gas and to feed yourselves and pay rent. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. There's, a, yeah, right. So um, we're each in a position where we can do it right now Mm -hmm. and hopefully we still can but um we're also in a position to make sure that we can like we you know we each picked up part-time jobs to make sure that the dream can still happen Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we have great part-time jobs that will let us yeah do the rock star thing (laughs) right no that's really good it's it's good for people to know we did a um probably three or four episodes ago um my co-host and, and uh, another guy, uh, Nick Ruffini from Drummer's Resource, we had a little mini roundtable because we're all going through these major life changes, and I've just come off the road from a long-term gig. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you know, you can't tell your mortgage company, hey, guess what, um, I'm in between gigs now, <laughs> um, but my band sounds really great, we're doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm going to send you, I don't have the money to pay, but I have a, uh, I have a CD here for you, I'm going to send that to you, just check it out, you're going to love it. You can't do that. Right. You know, it, it, the, the bills yeah. are due every month, and sometimes you have to do whatever it takes, and, and, and right. everybody's in, in different different situations, and, and the ability to play music, the ability to be involved in some capacity is a blessing. I mean, there's, it's very rare for people to be able to do it, even in a yeah. part-time capacity. I think that's one thing that people have to realize. If you're doing it in a full-time capacity, that's even a very, very small percentage. Right. It's getting more and more difficult. And, but if you have a passion for what you're doing mm-hmm. and you can stay focused and take care of business then I think there are more options available to you. The ability yeah. to play the music you want to play, the ability to play with the people that you want to play with, mm-hmm. then geez, why not? Right, yeah. And I think, I sort of think that's a lot of people get kind of, <laughs> they get kind of jaded. They don't, they don't understand like how much hard work it takes, but right place, right time too. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's probably a lot of people in town and, you know, across the world or whatever that have have had opportunities, but it's too scary. Like, I don't want to quit the job for this. You know, when I first um, moved to town, like within six months, I tried out um, with a band and actually got the gig. But then they're like, oh, we're going on Warp Tour. I'm like, I can't take that much time off work. And I don't regret not doing it, but but that's, you know, again, a a missed opportunity right there. And I, well, maybe, but that, that scenario sounds to me like you, you had the ability to make a choice, you know, you you had, um, worked to the point where you were able to, you, you, you won the audition. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you had the opportunity to, to decide what you wanted to do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's true. And, and it's funny cause going into that, I was dating somebody and they were like, yeah, you're probably not going to get that gig. <laughs> like that's, they're not going anywhere. I'm like, okay, well I'm definitely going to audition now just to spite you. <laughs> and, um, it's, and I think a lot of it is people are surrounded by a lot of negative people too. Yeah. So if you surround yourself with, like positive influences and you work hard stuff will just fall in your lap it just Mm. does it's fallen in my lap i've had i've been very lucky i mean i'm i'm good now i sold i had a house here and i sold it last year so i'm kind of sitting on that (laughs) for a little bit and working part-time here and there but i mean the goal the goal is to be like a full-time musician so even in 
in and out of dead dead stuff like you know the goal is to meet people like oh do you need a drummer for for that you know for your cd or i i got a week i can go out with you for a week that kind of stuff so there's opportunities out there it's just um it takes a lot of work and a lot of networking and i think Right, right networking is great as long as you do it correctly and genuinely and i think a lot of people so what's the correct what would, what would be the correct way <laughs> that i'm not sure <laughs> um i'm still learning but i'm asking I, personally actually right yeah <laughs> i think um it's good to make friends first yeah. make friends first then opportunities just kind of pop up and then like looking back it's like oh that's networking i guess but i just want to hang out with them because they're cool yeah uh that sort of thing and speaking of this drummer community is so nice and so helpful uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be here if it weren't for um just people being really nice and looking out for me and it's just you know it's something that's you know, I want to be able to do for other people too. Eventually, if I can, mm-hmm. you know, if I can get up there with any kind of influence, then I would love to like be able to help somebody out too. You know, I should probably have a website, I guess, now that I don't have a job and, <laughs> and this is my new life. I because I'm, I know it's it's maybe a little tacky for some drummers to have website i guess it's tacky i I've, i feel like maybe for me because i'm so kind of new at it that maybe it's a little overbearing to have all of that stuff out there but i know how to i'm pretty business savvy though mm-hmm. so i know that it, you know i had a I, I took a drum lesson from ray from corn and he did his homework he looked me up and found youtube videos so when i yeah. when i showed up he was like oh yeah um you got a good backbeat and was telling me stuff. I'm like, Oh, you, you did your work. So that's cool. So I know it like, it helps people. It, it to- does. I, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, drummers are all over the map when it comes to that. And I think there are a lot that are like, well, I don't really, how do I, prom- how do I let people know what I'm doing without coming across as, you know, overbearing or, you know, annoying. But a friend of mine put it to me, explained it to me that that made a lot of sense. It was, Everyone's on their phone or on their computer, Mm -hmm. and time is an issue. And so, hey, uh, I know this drummer. It's like, well, do they have a website? Where can I see them right now? What's their YouTube page? I want to see, I want to hear them right now. It doesn't matter how great you are, because if you don't have anything available for people to hear, they're going to go to the next person that's got something. And then, Mm -hmm. great, that person will be fine. Book them. Right. For whatever situation. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, obviously it, it does help. It's got, you need content out there. Just and your website like helps me. Right. Oh, well, yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, my dad did that. So <laughs> I can hack a little, but I don't, I don't know enough. Um, but I, you know, I had a few drum lessons. I'm self taught, but like yeah. once I finally bought a drum set, um, I took a couple lessons and my first drum teacher, he was just teaching me out of a book and I'm like, well, I can read music, so I don't need you. <laughs> um, but then when I got to Louisville, I had a really good drum teacher. He, he's one of my favorite drummers that nobody knows. Mm. Um, his name's Steve O'Reilly. And, um, I think he made like one video. He just, he's really, he's showboaty, but humble, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows how to do all the tricks and stuff, but he's a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And one of the best, live drummers I've seen. So I took a few lessons from him and he was talking about, well, yeah, I was going to be in this band. It was a famous band. And, and, you know, we didn't take the label deal and now they're huge. And, um, he's like, yeah, I should probably get a website around. I'm like, dude, yes. Like I'm doing it with the crap I'm playing. Like you should Mm -hmm. definitely, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you should definitely do it. And this was years ago, but it, you know, it's, you never know where you know, it could, it can take you or just opportunities might come up because someone saw a YouTube video and I'm just playing, I'm just playing covers. Anyone can do covers. You just learn it and play it. But well, and that's the debate, you know, and that's the question. And there's people all over the map. And, um, again, another friend of mine said, you know, people just need to see what you do. Mm-hmm. And so if it's, if, if you have an opportunity to play something with your band or your original situation or whatever, great. But if it's not available, 
you have to start somewhere or you, yeah. if, and, and sometimes a, a cover that you pick showcases something that, that is something you're interested in. Right. You know? Yeah. I, uh, well, that's a very good point. Cause I picked songs that I really liked. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a huge fan of pink. I love okay. her music. And if I could play for any pop artist, it would be her. Yeah. And so I picked you in your hand. Cause it's got a fun little yeah. cowbell beat at the beginning. And, you know, I did some Dead Dead songs, too, just to showcase how to play them. Um, but then I picked a Hailstorm song because right. I, I loved them before we ever met them. You know, I've been a fan of theirs for years. Um, and, and also with the Dead Dead songs, then people not only uh, see your facility, but they're also seeing like, okay, this is the part that you composed for the song. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how you, so they can see that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another cool thing, too. Like, you know... We, having writing everything ourselves yeah. what you see is what we wrote <laughs> right right i mean i think Paige might have tweaked one of my drum parts on um it's called vending machine gun off the new album which is kind of a, a cool political song um but that yeah I, I think i had like some weird like um five four beat and he changed it to be a little more driving it's still in five but it's pretty cool so oh wow so i can't take credit for that <laughs> but um, I mean, I think that's what I like. I, I don't like showcasing myself, but the live show is where I think I'm just best at just cause I, you know, I like when I go to a rock show, I want to party with the band. Like you yeah, want to be yeah, in the yeah. crowd, just yeah. smiling back and just jumping up and down, acting a fool. So that's kind of what I try to portray through my drumming. Right. And right. my favorite drummer is Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. So and I, my very first concert was Alanis Morissette. So I think oh, wow. I'm kind of in love with both of them and I will forever be, <laughs> but just watching him drum the whole time. I mean, I was watching her and I was watching him the whole time. And you became a drummer. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Don't you think? What? <laughs> yeah. So, um, th- yeah, that would actually be a, a dream. Just, I met Taylor at, oh God, where was it? Um, Gold Rush, I think I popped in there before we were going to play at exit in. I popped in there one night and he happened to be leaving and he just turned some guys down for a photo. I'm like, dude, you, can I please have a photo? I hate it when people do this, but I love you. And you're the reason I drum. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like he was so nice to me. Cause he's kind of, you know, yeah. cause I'm a girl. <laughs> so that's where it helps being a female. <laughs> right. Yeah. With that. yeah. So that was, that's pretty funny, but that's seeing that, um, concert just changed me. And that was, I think I was a junior in high school. Well, let's talk about that because uh, you're from Fort Wayne mm-hmm. and, um, but you came to drums late. Right. Later. Yeah. Um, did you always want to play drums? Um, or you know, I know you, your interest in music was always right. there and you sing and you were playing flute in high school. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I always had an interest in music and I picked up flute in sixth grade because my best friend, was playing flute. I'm like, yeah, I want to do everything my best friend does. So that's how I started. (laughs) And I was really good at it. I was probably a better uh, flautist than a drummer. Um, But drumming, I always wanted to do once I got into junior high, Mm -hmm. I saw the drummers, then we got in a pet band, Mm -hmm. then they got drum solos during some of our songs. I'm like, man, that is just so cool. And I could always keep a beat. So like when we're, you know, screwing around at in band or whatever, I'd sit down at the drum kit and I could keep a beat. Yeah. So that was, that to me was like, okay, I could probably do this, but it's so late now. I'm already doing this flute thing. Mm. I got a scholarship um, for a private college in Indianapolis and I went there for flute performance and, um, and like an earth and space science too. So I had like a double major cause I really liked the, the weather for some yeah. reason, really liked storms. Space rock. I see. Right. Going. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's very it. earthy. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, after a semester there, I ended up majoring in math back at Purdue and Fort Wayne and then transferred to the main campus mm-hmm. a year later and did, um, meteorology and math, mm-hmm. um, math minor or something like that. And they didn't have a music program at Purdue. Mm. So, uh, just, I was there a couple of years and I got a tax return and I just bought myself a drum kit, kept it at home in Fort Wayne and 
when I, I went to grad school at Purdue also, and my friend had a basement, had my drums moved there. I wasn't really serious about it till I got my first um, job out of college. I was off a week, and then I had to go in the real world, Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. Wow, misery. <laughs> that's how they say it. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my thing. It's If you like outdoors, it's a good place. But yeah, yeah. And for weather, it was great, but uh, not for music. So I had my drums there. Yeah. And yeah, I was only there a year and a half. And then I got a promotion to Louisville. So that's how I ended up there. Okay. And that's where I started really getting into the music scene. Okay. They had a weekend warriors program there. So I started doing that and getting in, in and out of cover bands. And okay. I think that's really where I come I mean, in. That's where I get a lot of my drumming from. I'm not super creative, I don't think. But I think I can pick like the right beats for the right song. I feel mm-hmm. like I have a, a good ear for that, mm-hmm. but the just being in cover bands really helped me yeah. like kind of develop um, just different like fills and stuff. I, I really attribute <laughs> all those years. I think I was in cover bands for five years there. I think that really helped me. And in the, the music that you're interested in now, did you always have the, that? I mean, were you always interested in that genre or has that developed over time now that you're, doing it now that you're playing yeah um definitely i mean i think the 90s music's um, like 90s grunge alternative that kind of stuff had the mm-hmm. biggest impact on me like mm-hmm. the breeders uh green day yeah um nine inch nails that kind of stuff was just my favorite uh, when i was really getting into music in high school i think that was kind of my favorite stuff i was listening to and of course alanis um but I really I grew up on pop. I think um, my dad um, played a lot of music. He had like weird stuff like Little Feet, and then he had um, Lionel Richie, and then yeah. you know he was a big um, Prince and Michael Jackson fan. So um, I'm a huge Prince fan, and um, I just like Janet Jackson too. I kind of grew up in pop, and yeah. that's what that's the music I like the most. I mm-hmm. think because if it's got a good beat and people want to move their heads to it, then that's what I want. That's yeah. the drummer I want to become for that. Yeah. I mean, it's not as fun to drum for pop music. <laughs> but that's deep groove pop. Right, yeah. You know, that's yeah. not just bubblegum pop. Or, Correct, you know, yeah. That's, that's the stuff. That's the good stuff. Yeah, and I think, I think seeing Pink live, like her drummer was awesome. And I was surprised. I'm like, none of the shit's on her records. Like... This is what I'm talking about. So, like, it's got the pop music I love, plus a whole hell of a lot more drumming. Something new, live. Yeah, it was different live. It was great, and um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I kind of like that music the most. But yeah, I, I got into drumming so late, and pretty self-taught and sloppy. But it's, you know, it's the path I'm supposed to be on. It got me here, and right, right, right. Here I am. <laughs> when, when you do have time to practice or do you have time to practice? I have time. Yeah. I don't make time very often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't practice every day. I know I should, but, um, you know, some days I got to work and I don't practice those days. Um, but, and when you do what, what do you, what do you work on? Um, actually I've got a lot of videos from Ray that I'll go through just some rudiments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, because I never, I never learned that stuff. So, I'm learning all that now. Like I can, I can learn a song and play it. Yeah. But my technique is not great. I don't think, but again, like I'm not trying to play a train beat in a session for the rest of my life. Like Mm -hmm. I I could, and I will. And you know, I just want to make money (laughs) doing, doing this. But, um, you know, my thing is the live show. So, um, when I practice, I'll, I'll practice, um, cover songs. I'll learn a song or, the rudiments I'm really trying to hone in on because that's the part where I can develop and that's going to make me a better drummer. So I'm trying to spend more time on the stuff that's not fun to practice. <laughs> sure. No, it's really interesting because you know, people you're, you're kind of going at it from a different direction mm-hmm. where you've, you've had these experiences, you've got this gig, you've done some touring, you've had these incredible experiences. Yeah. And then, okay, now I need to go back to the basics and you know 
I've had, I know what's necessary to put on a better show from a technique standpoint, but the spirit mm. is there. The performance is there. Yeah. You know, and, and I, sometimes those things never make the connection. You have mm-hmm. players with wonderful facility, but they're, it's boring. Right. Yeah. You know, or and, they don't seem interested in what they're doing. Right. And that's one thing, um, that I, I can't stand when I go and see a band and the drummer is just killing it, but you, but they're just, you, you can't tell they're not smiling. They're barely moving their sticks. Like they're just, they look bored as hell. You've described me. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was your show. No. <laughs> uh, and I, and I know that's fine for certain music. Yeah. And you know, if you play for someone huge, you might need to just sit back there and, and kind of shut up and just, mm. you know, do your thing. But that's, that's not me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like to move around and have fun cause mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, freaking fun to play in front of people and i think that's the energy that i like to get from a drummer so i know i give that energy off sure a lot of people told me that you know and i think that makes me look like a better drummer than i actually am and that's fine (laughs) but uh i you know it's entertainers i mean that's right i think that's you know that's my forte is i'm a good entertainer fans that have taken our songs and applied different lyrics so we'll sing those sometimes oh wow uh we like for instance we have a song called the lonely sound off of rainbow and that's actually my favorite song it's the first one we ever wrote and we had (laughs) it um i forget the real lyrics because one of our fans son rewrote the lyrics to sonic the hedgehog and Like he has a whole video playing with his puppets and the chorus is like Sonic the Hedgehog. So we started singing that like in some, right, in some clubs. To, yeah. That's great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know where I was going with that, but, uh, we will change a few things, but, um, really if we just come up with a different set, like we'll mix up the songs, we'll pick different songs here and mm-hmm. there. Cause we've mm-hmm. got. You know, at our level, we're only playing like 45 minutes to an hour. That's all we ever are needed for, really. And we've got plenty of songs for that. So we'll change that up once in a while. So where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. As an all-female band, we definitely get uh, weird looks now. Mm-hmm. There's a little, there's <laughs> a little sexism for sure, um, but isn't that crazy? We're at 2017. Yeah, and what's nice is it's it's very trendy right now to be um, to be quote unquote a feminist, but really all that is is just people wanting equality. Like, mm-hmm. there's some badass female drummers out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shitty dude drummers out there, but <laughs> um, there's just more of them. There's more guys drumming than girls, and I think you know a lot of it might just be your composition. I mean, I'm really into math. And science, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of drummers are very math driven. They, yeah. you know, they like to count. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I think if you're not into like math and science, if you don't really have that kind of mind, then it, I think it's difficult for yeah. a girl to be a drummer. And I don't know what it is. I don't really necessarily think it's the way we're brought up, but a lot of times I think it's just the composition. Like, you know, maybe it's too much estrogen. I have no idea. I think there's some scientific. To science, you know, science to that, but you know, I never really came across that growing up until in Louisville. I had some of that experience. Mm. Um, it was partially, you know, someone I was dating was, you know, just a jerk and like a really good guitarist, but mm-hmm. not going anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to get made fun of. I had to get on a stage and suck. I had to, mm-hmm. you know, 
do some sessions in, in Louisville to really hear my stuff and know that I needed work. And mm-hmm. you have to put yourself out there and you have to be able to take criticism yeah. to make yourself better. And Boy, that's mi- the great equalizer, isn't it? Right, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> In the studio. Yeah, oh man, it's, it's rough sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And even just in the past couple of years from our first album until our second, I've noticed like a big change in my drumming. And it's, it's funny, I, I still hear it. I'm like, man, I should have done this. I should have done this. I can do that next time. Yeah. But I've no, I haven't really had too much, um, you know, too many people telling me I can't do this or that, especially now. Cause now I know I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I made a living, um, doing meteorology. I went to grad school. I made a lot of money. I was very successful. I was a manager. Um, and now I'm going to be a drummer and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Like I'm, you know, it's just, I think that's if people can overcome the criticism, there would be more females in music and more respect out of that because you have to, you just can't take crap. You can't take crap from anybody, but you better be able to back it up with some kind of evidence that you should belong in this community. So it's funny as a band, we've had that experience. So one of the first clubs we ever played, we were walking in with our exes on and our gear and the sound guy was like, uh, are you guys with the dead deads? Like, yeah, that's us. Where's the band? (laughs) He's like, isn't that kind of mean? They're making you carry their stuff. Like, no, we're the band. (laughs) This is us. We're girls. Thanks for doing your homework. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But they, they end up being really lovely and, you know, a good person just, okay. I think it's just a very ignorant crowd out there. I, I think people might be sexist and they don't realize they're being sexist. So yeah. a lot of times I'll take it with a grain of salt, like, you know, just let us play, yeah, see what yeah, we can yeah. do and then make your judgment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. We'll walk into, you know, depending on where we go, if we're on a big tour, um, you know, we played a couple shows with Alter Bridge after the Shiprock Cruise in January and played theaters and the crowd was just, they were awesome. Didn't mm-hmm. judge us, they were ready to party. And <laughs> and we we did really well with that crowd, but then like there's some other places we'll play, they just look at us like, what the hell is this shit? Like, they're, mm-hmm. we're not going to like this. Yeah. And then more often than not, you can see the transition throughout the show. Like, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's probably, I'm sure, a little annoying seeing a bunch of girls with X's on their eyes, like getting on stage, like, oh, crap, what is this, you know, cartoon yeah, thing yeah. happening? But, yeah. um, but if it when ends you deliver up, the goods, then, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we get a little bit of it at first, but afterwards, um, some people, you know, they say stupid things like, oh, I thought you guys were going to be really terrible because you're girls, but you were pretty good you surprised <laughs> me you. right like a lot and you know it sucks but you just have to be like thank you very much i'm glad you liked it here's our card check us out on facebook do all this right, crap right right, right. <laughs> so then get on the bus and be like what the hell yeah that? you gotta have your vent sessions but right. it definitely happens you know in the van not around people you know yeah because yeah. we're very lucky to be where we're at and yeah. i think the the female thing might you know it might keep us from getting certain gigs, but it might get us some too. So I, mm. I'm not sure it's that big a deal anymore, especially being a female drummer. I think that it actually probably helps me, helps set me apart, especially when they see me drum. I'm not like, you know, barely hitting the drums. A lot of mm-hmm. girls can do that and that's fine. Yeah, no, you're hitting no, I'm them. not that I hit them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? them. yeah and uh, again, my technique might not be there, but at least like I'm putting on a show. Yeah. I was watching um, a band, Bisto Blanco, play at the Basement East a couple months ago. And Chuck Garrick, the lead singer, is the bass player for Alice Cooper. Oh, wow. So went to that show, and I'm like, man, this stuff takes me back. The, mm. whole, the whole show, I was thinking, like, I remember sitting with my best friend, watching MTV. Um, oh, crap, I forget that show. Anyway, um they're showing all the, you know, the the metal headbangers ball. Yeah, headbangers ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just watching that with her with our blue eyeshadow on and just staring at all these dudes with lipstick and just like, oh my god, they're so awesome, <laughs> freaking out. But 
I remember what I liked about it because she was really into that um, music. But what I liked about it is just the driving beat, like everyone in the crowds just moving their heads. And mm-hmm. I miss that. And I don't mm-hmm. hear that a lot anymore. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I really love is the four on the floor because you can do a whole lot with your arms when you've got that yeah. steady train going. And, yeah. um, you know, I think probably a compilation 80 CD would be a desert island sure, <laughs> sure. CD for me. But yeah, I, that, that kind of music really takes me back too. And I, that's something I, I don't think I've really applied yet to one of our songs, um, in the dead dead. So that's something I definitely would love to do a little throwback. And we can say, Hey, here, I want to write a song together, but can we start with this groove? Yep. Yeah. What can you guys do with this? Yeah. I think that's the Peter Gabriel approach. Right. Oh, yeah. Write the groove and mm-hmm. then we're going to write around that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's happened to us a couple of times. I've come up with some, some things, but it's not my favorite thing to do, but I'll do it. But now, like now I'm kind of inspired, like, man, I need to go back and listen to like, look yeah. what the cat dragged in and all this stuff. Yeah. I think it's really cool that, that you made the connection between the music that you're, you're binging on before you go into a session or you go into a writing session to be like, okay, this is what I'm inspired by. And I think it's really powerful. I think it's really, uh, it shows that listening can be just as important, if not more so than your practice time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, This week I've been listening to a lot of talk radio, uh, a lot of news and, um, I spent some time practicing trying to learn some songs for a gig I've gotten a couple of weeks and I just felt very disconnected from the drums. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? You've got to keep that going. Yeah. And, and, and certain, and there's times before a session where I'll listen to certain drummers that I, I really love their studio approach. I love their pocket to try and get my headspace around that feel. Um, not knowing what the the session is, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what the songs are, but knowing that if I listen to something else that's doesn't um, inspire that type of feel, yeah. it will get into my brain, you know, yeah. or anything or non music. Yeah, and it's know. such a it's that's a fine line because you want to play. Of course, you want to play the session the way or the gig they the way you know the band wants it sure, done, sure. but. At the same time, like, I think it's important to put your own stamp on it, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of think it's cool that you might binge on something totally different that's going to, you know, mess up your shuffle or something like mm-hmm. that. But it might might give you something cool that they haven't heard. Who knows, like, mm-hmm. what it could do. But, yeah, I get that. I get um, – I found now that this is my career, I found that I'm uninspired a lot. I'll just – I don't want to play my drums. I'll mm. go a week sometimes without playing them, which I mm-hmm. I think is weird. But um, I saw an interview with Mickey D from Motorhead. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Man, when we're when we're done touring, I don't I don't pick up my sticks forever. Like he mm-hmm. just doesn't. He needs to step away from it. And I mm-hmm. think that's a good balance. Actually, maybe that's the time to like go back and and listen to some stuff and binge mm-hmm. on things that like when you're down and, and I know when I'm down in that rut, I need something to get me motivated again right don't beat yourself up over over you know it's like well i why am i i'm not practicing every day right it's there's other things that take precedence and can inspire you Mm -hmm. and kind of put yourself back in the right frame of mind and just being healthy with things um a couple other quick things i wanted to cover is what is it that you do to kind of keep your head space healthy keep yourself healthy in this new career path that you're doing? Um, I'm pretty impatient and I like, I'm, I'm very structured. Uh So this is about the opposite of that. (laughs) There's a lot of waiting around, especially being in a band. Like I'm not a hired gun. I, you know, I could do that on the side, I'm sure. And would love to, but at the moment, like that hasn't happened. So right now it's just, okay, well there's this label interested. So we have to wait and see. Yep. Then we got to book a few shows to keep the momentum going. I think that's the most difficult. So I know for me, I can get in a bad space really quickly and impatient and want to move on. Mm-hmm. So what I have to do is I'll journal. Journal's really, journaling is really good for me. Okay. 
I don't think it's for everybody. I think it should be. I think it really helps because <laughs> there's some stuff. If you wake up first thing in the morning and start to journal, just write down whatever's in your brain. It could be like, man, I hate my partner. She stinks. Like she's, mm-hmm. you know, like whatever it is, just write down everything. <laughs> and it's, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> poor example. But, um, that can just get all the negativity out instantly. So mm-hmm. for that day, you can tackle more, I found, for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps me um, be more centered and balanced. Uh, sounds really spiritual and stuff, but I, I, I'm sorry. I think that helps, though. Um, and I try and work out, too. If I, don't, if I know that I don't, if I don't get to the gym for four or five days, I can tell that I'm getting really antsy and negative and patient. Mm-hmm. So I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I like gardening too. I <laughs> kind of have a green thumb. So yeah. that's, um, you know, and that's still create, uh, a creative thing for yeah. me. So yeah. I can go out, work in the yard, and that helps me um, right. Right. focus. So I think you need distractions to be able to come back to the table. Because if I did yes. dead, dead stuff all day long, mm-hmm. all week long, I'm going to go crazy. And we're yeah. going to all butt heads and the band's right. going to fall apart. Right. Um, I mean, I know you love, <laughs> yeah, I know you love the for band. sure. I know you yeah. love the music. All those things are important, but it's, but keeping a healthy perspective mm-hmm. is important. And also for people to understand that the music business is hurry, hurry up and wait. Yeah. <laughs> constantly. There's yeah. so much downtime. Yeah. And it's, and we're kind of being thrown into it, not ever being in the business aside from, you know, aside from Tish. Like, okay. I mean, Erica and I were in a band together in Louisville. I had some regional success and that was growing, but um, you know, and we even talked about doing that side project again. Like, let's just do it because it'll get our minds off of yeah, this thing yeah. that's kind of different music thing. You know, the hurry up and wait process. Let's do this, get this yeah. going, and that way, like, you know, we all. I think it's important to feel like you're moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that can easily be lost in this business. Yeah. And, you know, so for me, like, I like, I like a balance. Yeah. I don't want to do one thing constantly. Yeah. I don't think you can. I don't think it's healthy. Us four know each other really well. It's two best friends, pairs of best friends, basically. Mm-hmm. And being in a van together, oh, being yeah. on the road, being women, like, mm-hmm. you know, we are at each other's throats sometimes, but never like cruel it's always like mm. what i need i need quiet so i put in headphones i don't want to listen to whatever podcast you're listening to like at eight o'clock in the morning i want to mm-hmm. sleep a couple hours you know mm-hmm. whatever it is but then when i'm driving like i want to you know it's yeah. my turn to right. play the stuff i want to listen to right. <laughs> um so there's a balance there um but it is important to treat each other well so yeah what i've been told is like lower your expectations and mm increase your work ethic so or um increase your workload really so mm-hmm. do everything you can for the band mm-hmm. but don't expect the same from everybody yeah mm. and it turns out like and i you know i'm kind of a perfectionist i like i expect people to work as hard as i do mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen we're yeah. musicians <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think we work very hard and we work well together but that doesn't always happen so and everybody brings different things to the table Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, I feel really fortunate with the two other guys that I work with on the podcast, and I have a different um, pace and in, in which I work mm-hmm. um, than the, than the other two guys. But I would never. This would never be where it's at without the other two guys. Right. And yeah. um, so it's it's really important uh, to me for me to recognize the strengths that people have and when you work with creatives types which Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i'm i feel like i dabble into that yeah category yeah same but um a little more structured you know i like to have things more planned out and and work fast and it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be done are you virgo by chance because uh taurus okay i don't know right is that I don't know. What. I'm a Virgo, and that's how I like everything. Okay, structured, <laughs> planned. Like. Yeah. So it, it it but to to be able to complement, you need to have all those elements, to, especially yeah. when you're in a band. You know, you're running a business, and you're being. It's like that's the weirdest thing. Right. How is it a business and it's 
supposed to be entertaining and it's supposed to be a blast. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's crazy. It, yeah, we're in a very lucky position where we're all pretty business savvy, which is nice. Oh, that's really We've cool. all been managers mm-hmm. and um, we all are entertainers too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where like I'm impatient and, you know, I can get. I can get grumpy more than anyone in the band probably and I'll have ideas and stuff and the one that centers me is Daisy the bass player she'll she'll you know she'll be like well you're kind of kind of being this way and we need you to be this way because this doesn't matter so much and yeah and you're making a mountain out of a molehill <laughs> like yeah, yeah. that sort of thing she'll be the one that brings me back to like oh I guess that's not a big deal you're right so do you ever foresee like Band names, the stage names being changed. Yeah, grumpy, <laughs> sneezy, um, sneezy, right? I'm uh, my dad's. Yeah, <laughs> there's, you know, there might be one for me behind my back, <laughs> but I think like doesn't sound like it. I think they would probably tell you. Yeah, I think so, and and that's what's great. Like we're all we're going to be grumpy. We're gonna have our sure. moments um, where we snap, but at the end of the day, we all love each other and we work very hard. And we believe in this band too, yeah. so. Um, I think that's important to, to just treat each other really well. So, and with respect, right. And I, I think we, we take that to a whole new level with our fans. I think we, and that's what I was talking about balance. Like I'll sacrifice my warm up to be out there with people and we all do. And we all do that. Um, the only one might be like Tish, if she has to save her voice or something like that, Mm -hmm. she can't be talking an hour before the gig, Mm -hmm. but the rest of us can so (laughs) so we're out there making sure that we're doing that work most importantly and we're always friendly and our fans are really friendly too so it's easy and then like that that might you know translate into the van later when we're all tired like we're grumpy like let's just get to the hotel or wherever we're going but that's part of the deal right i'd rather that happen Mm -hmm. than us be grumpy to out anyone anyone outside of the band and that hasn't happened yet so that's good (laughs) Angie thanks for doing this thanks for having me yeah I really appreciate it I feel out of my league but this was this is fun (laughs) no way this is important stuff and I I feel like there's a lot that we have never been able to cover you know in the 110 episodes right I know congrats on that too yeah thank you thank Mm -hmm. you but thanks for being here I appreciate it thank you very much (laughs) and thanks for my sunglasses and my my vinyl you're very welcome vinyl yeah (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. So there you go. There was my conversation with Angela. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, She was brought to my attention by a friend of mine, Jim Riley, producer, who has been a guest on our show. Jim is such a fan of drummers, and when he recommended that I speak with Angela, I thought, well, I should do this. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, Angela is a great drummer, and uh, I'm excited to see where the Dead Deads will go next. And I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with her as much as I did talking with her. Tune in next week for Zach Albetta's interview. And as always, I want to say thank you to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance. I want to mention that our friends at the Nashville Drummer Jam are having their 10th Drummer Jam, which is a tribute to Clyde Stubblefield and I believe all the drummers of James Brown. That is May 15th here in Nashville. Uh, I believe at the Cannery Ballroom. So if you are around or close to town, please come and check that out. There's going to be a lot of wonderful drummers, lots of wonderful musicians for you to check out. So May 15th here in Nashville, the Nashville Drummers Jam, tribute to Clyde Stubblefield and uh, I believe some other drummers of James Brown. So again, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we appreciate your support. Hope to see you around. Bye-bye.